What's up, everyone? Welcome to a new episode of Retro Encounter. As always, I'm Josh Curry. With me is Alana Hags. Hello. Caitlin Ardros. Hey, guys. And Robert Fenner. Master, check out my mad skills. Oh, yes, we Yay. got that in there. Yes, good. Oh, so glad. Hammer is such a doofus. And but a lovable doofus. If that it wasn't is. enough of a hint, we are talking about Xenogears. AKA the best RPG of all time still after all these years and I will I will yes I will fight you on that. <laughs> AKA a troubling charming mess. Yeah. I don't even want to start the conversation with this argument, but I just can't agree with that. I fundamentally can't agree with that. <laughs> well, um there's, when a, you... there's a very particular reason why. Uh, uh no. When you when you get out of your house in Lahan, maybe you'll see why. Uh, you'll fine. see. We'll save that argument for part two of this podcast. But in the meantime, ba- <laughs> I will back up and say it's still one of the best. Fine. Okay. Of all no, time. I'm okay I with that. Right, we yeah. agree with that. Good. We don't have to go to blows over it then. That's fine. But <laughs> there's there's a lot of really good RPGs. Many of which we have discussed on the wonderful Retro Encounter. But. And this is one of them. Fine. This is the sure. new one. Okay. Okay. That's fine. Um, so let's start this podcast like we always do when we start our new game. Let's kind of go through everybody's history with it. This game came out in America in 98, so it's been a while. Um, so I'm guessing all of you have played it before? Maybe? No. Yeah. No, I'm not from I'm not from America, so no. <laughs> this is, is my still, first time. To this day, it has still never been officially released in Europe. What's no. wrong with you, Europe? Well, terrible. <laughs> I will. Yeah. We, we can have a whole Wait. podcast on everything that's wrong with Europe, but I'm gonna be on that and fight you. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> wants to fight me. <laughs> I'm but supposed yeah, to be the is... lovable host. Why? Why does everybody want to fight me? Well, People, the host who people love to hate. Oh. Okay, Josh. You you wounded me. Um, But I feel like whenever we have a conversation about any game that starts with Xeno, we have to start with Caitlyn. Of course. The absolute lover of all Xenos. You've seen my signature on the boards. It's I'm the Dark Souls of Xeno everything. (laughs) Um, Although I know that... uh, (laughs) One of our, our editor emeritus and one of my good friends, Liz Moss, would probably fight me for that title because she's also a, a Zeno super fan. So we can be co-Dark Souls of, of Zeno everything, Liz, if you're listening. Um, but yeah, I played this uh, back when it was originally released on PS1. It was one of my very first uh, RPGs. And I, oh, I, think, I think I found out about it because I had a... A demo disc uh, that came with, and I do not remember which game it was with. It might have been. I think this came with Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, and it was like the it was the opening chunk of the game, and I thought it was cool. And actually, um, after playing seven and getting super depressed by uh, by Eris dying in seven, I was like, I want an RPG that's got a good romance where there isn't 
a heartbreaking death, and I didn't quite get that. Um, huh. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what drove you to this? Like, it's not very happy game. I know, right? Like, uh, in some ways, it's even more soul crushing than than Eris dying in Seven. But anyway, that was kind of my 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 path to Xenogears, and then I played it, and it was awesome, and. I, it's still story-wise, at least, like plot complexity-wise, is one of the games I compare a lot of RPGs to, um, fairly or unfairly. It's like it's it's just so thick with all of the things going on, all the little threads, and then you find out if you've looked at like websites or checked out the uh, the art book that oh no, this was actually only supposed to be one story out of a six total episodes that were planned and then you're like holy crap even the game itself says that at one point <laughs> yeah wow so i'm a yeah i'm a huge zeno fan and i'm a huge zeno defender especially with this game being as old as it is and as problematic as uh as a as a history as it had in development so yeah, I like I like Xenogears. If that wasn't already obvious. No, that I I'm I'm happy you're able to explain it so well because I would never would have guessed. <laughs> I know. So, what about you, Robert? Because you're you are over in the UK now, right? So I'm in the UK. I was in America when this came okay. out. So this came out when I was 13, uh, and I was a massive uh, SquareSoft fan back then. So I was hungrily devouring every RPG that they sent our way. Um, and this one, uh, I think this came out, I think it came out in like fall or winter. I remember distinctly that I rented it uh, during Christmas break when I was off school because I couldn't afford to buy it. And um, I could only rent games for like two days at a time, but I blazed through the first half. Like I got from the start to the Tower of Babel in 48 hours. <laughs> And playing this again now and like getting that far in about two weeks has made me realize, Jesus, how did I do that back then? <laughs> it's so depressing when you look yeah. back and what was so easy as a kid. Yeah, or and just how much time I had or how much time I devoted to one piece of media back then. Yeah, because there's just stuff that I was willing to do that like it didn't even seem like torture. And now it feels yeah. like somebody's <laughs> like waterboarding me. It's just like, what, why am I, why am I just, a perfect example when we did Tactics, and Caitlin was amazed at how much I grinded mm. throughout all my characters, and it was torturous <laughs> in some regards, but it was one of those things, like, I had to do it, um, but I remember, and I wasn't even that young when I played Tactics for the first time, but it was super, super easy, and I, life catches up with you at some point, I guess, we're all getting old. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you're getting old. I I am. <laughs> I'm young and beautiful. I didn't say Robert. About Robert, Robert is too because we're apparently the same age. So, what do you know? Um, Xenogears really spoke to me at the time. Uh, I think maybe maybe a better title for the game would be Xenogenesis, even Gearleon, <laughs> due to um, how much. How much it cribs from Evangelion, but I, I really, really like Evangelion. This maybe uh, is a bit more flagrant in how it uses uh, symbolism um, to no <laughs> real end. Uh, but 
I found everything about it very evocative. Um, I liked uh, I liked how dark it was. Sometimes there were some weird tonal shifts, um, but a lot about it really spoke to me at the time. So I have very, very fond memories of this. It was clunky then, it's clunkier now, but um, getting a chance to play through it again with all of you has been a real joy. So now, switching gears, Alana. Never played it before. What is your Never first played. blush of Xenogears? Um, I'm very much in love with it. I think um, for the whole Xenoverse, Europe have pretty much been left out. Like we've had Xenosaga two, episode two, which is <laughs> yeah, like the worst, worst one. one. And, and that was we it. Had, yeah, we didn't get one or three, so it's like we'll just get the filling and not like the bread. But um, <laughs> that must have been is, so confusing when we starting up that game. And yeah, I like, bet. I had a chipped um, PlayStation two because I had loads of American games and. Um, because Xenosaga 1 was on a DVD-9, like, even with a chip or with Swap Magic, it just wouldn't read that disc. So, oh like, I was never, ever able to play it. Oh. But no, um, my first taste of the Xenoverse was Xenoblade. So, Xenoblade and X are very different to Xenogears, but from what I've seen and played of Xenogears, I've very, very much fallen in love with it. I think, like everyone says, it's all the tonal shifts, the Evangelion kind of rip which is really good and I love I've got a real thing for symbolism and religious archetypes reused in RPGs and mm. fiction in any way so this is like really speaking to me I think it's probably the most use I've got out of my degree since I've been out of uni as well because I've had to like pull it apart and be like okay so what does this mean and what does that mean but I like it because it's not obviously telling you everything it's like dropping hints and I'm really enjoying digging through all those little bits of hints and going hmm i wonder what's gonna happen but like basically i love it but i don't trust anybody that's kind of where i am <laughs> at the moment that's a good space to be <laughs> yeah. yeah everyone's kind of shady right now yeah so it's easy to talk about kind of the story but what have you thought of the actual gameplay mechanics alana um well, for the most part, I've not got any major issues with it. I think with a lot of... I think we may have spoken about this before. I don't remember if it was on Zelda or before Zelda. But we were speaking about how like games from the this era, so like mid-90s, PlayStation 1 era, to like the end of that. And we were talking briefly about how things have changed so much. So like all the controls are quite clunky like i think i remember going back to play final fantasy 7 a couple of years ago and thinking oh god like the camera changes and you suddenly move in a different direction and it's like no like it's quite difficult to adjust to but um i've not really had any major issues with them i think they're a little clunky i think my biggest issue is possibly uh the jumping like i got really excited you could jump and i was like oh <laughs> this is great and then it's the triangle button, so I'm, like, running, and then I have to, like, move my thumb forward, and I'm like, oh, please. And then nine times out of ten, with the Tower of Babel, especially. Ugh, the um, worst. The worst bit is just jumping over those little gaps, and you're not in line. And then you either overshoot or undershoot it, or you just don't even press the button. Like, you press it too late, and it's like, well, I'm in the water. But, yeah, I, and the camera. Camera is a little l loose, is the only word I can think of to describe it right now. 
but you can press one of the shoulder buttons and you'll probably be like do a whole 360 in half a second which is great but otherwise i can live with it i think it's just a product of age and i can sort of see past that a little bit which is nice or the random battle system kicks in when you're trying to execute a jump over a gap and you just fall down and then you fight (laughs) well that's the thing like you know there's a random battle coming because one you can't jump and two the music stops (laughs) it's like oh i know it's coming but yeah or i'm trying to open a door that's the other one yeah yeah sometimes they they the battles pop up it seems like a little bit too frequently like mm. i've had a couple of times where like i would battle walk a few steps another battle okay 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 okay, okay. <laughs> i got mm. it but yeah it's uh, i don't part of the issue i think is i don't know why they made it so that you have to hold down circle to run like most uh most rpgs anyway that i've played it's the usually the opposite you have to hold a button to walk your normal movement is is quick Pokemon. this was and the style back then it's true but i mean like especially because you have platforming and some some of the the jumps require that you be running in order to have enough momentum to get across the gap and it's just a little awkward having to switch buttons like that um and on top of uh, camera control which um I mean, I don't know. I, I actually mapped um, L1 and R1 to the right analog stick to give me a, another option, to since, since that's a bit more natural for me now, um, using the right analog stick to control camera. And it, but still, I mean, it's like there's a lot of stuff for your thumb to do to manage those jumps. And, um, I mean, there's only really an issue in two spaces, and that was when you're trying to get to the, the border and you're going through the mountains with Faye and those uh, oh, no. random gears and there's a couple of running jumps. And then, of course, yeah, mm. Babel. The hardest part for me in Babel is actually getting on that f- stupid rope uh, on the <laughs> lower level. I missed it completely the first time because I didn't have the right angle on the camera. So, yeah. Well, yeah. the most insulting bit is at the end of at the end of all the jumping puzzles at Babel, you get that cutscene where um, all of the gears just uh, fly over, fly over a gap. <laughs> I thought, I was like, really? Now, now you want to work? Well, they have a, they have jetpacks. We see them fly. I don't know why they can't just fly up, up that thing. Come on. <sighs> well, so we kind of talked about this back. This is Parasite Eve, Caitlin. Um, Mm-hmm. The PlayStation era was such a weird time, just in general. Like you, you mentioned, like controls. Why are they doing things weird? I, I feel like we went from Super Nintendo specifically, where everything was so figured out, everything was very exacting, and then they're like, "Oh, there's polygons now." Like now we have no idea how to do anything, and mm. and that's like kind of where I, my guess would be with what kind of how, like how this went terribly wrong, like with some of the controls. It's just everything just went weird during this time. I don't know. Well, one of one of the interesting things about this is this is one of Square's earliest fully 3D worlds, where you mm-hmm. know things like Parasite Eve and the Final Fantasy yeah. games used the f- pre-rendered backgrounds. There was just like this and Brave Fencer Musashi that had like a fully 3D explorable, rotatable world. So it was very early on for them, especially. So how let's let's talk about characters. Does anybody have 
favorites? Anybody? Mm-hmm. Well, Alana, is there any oh. initial feelings about anybody? <laughs> <laughs> I have a favorite. I, I, my favorite is probably Seatan right now, and I think that will stick. But all of the characters are great. I really, really, all of the like villains, villains in inverted commas I'll say because I feel like there's something going on there but um, every single one of them maybe Faye took a little bit of time to get going Um, I think Faye initially wound me up a little bit he's kind of like overly dramatic kind of I didn't destroy the village it wasn't my fault Uh, kind of (laughs) thing just like oh okay maybe you'll take a while to gel but the way he's developed even like at the halfway point I think especially from when him and Bart were like, we're going to go and rescue Ava and take it back. And from then on, he's been brilliant. But I love the characters because every single one of them is flawed. And every single one of them, they're not like doing the best thing in the world. They're not trying to be really good, but they're doing something that's right for them. And I think going back to Faye again, after Faye's initial, like, kind of panicky, like, um, existential crisis at the beginning, even though it's carrying on throughout, I find Faye quite relatable in a way. I don't know whether that's just because we might have been in the same position of kind of discover, like, wonder who are we and what is our purpose. I mean, I think that's kind of quite important for the game anyway. I think that's kind of at its core right now for me. Um, but the characters are really good and I would be interested to hear what people thought of, like, if anybody has any other favorites and why, because obviously the other two have played the game, so they know more than I do. Yeah. (laughs) So without giving too much away, Robert and Caitlin, what are your general thoughts on the character? Okay. Since you guys have played before, have you started noticing differences in the characters or like, are there little mannerisms that you didn't notice or hints of things in some characters, is it well written enough that you've you've kind of been able to appreciate a different side of some of these characters? Um, I mean, there there are little quirks that I've forgotten um, over the years um, in some of the characters, and things that um, I don't know. I since I was also about thirteen years old when I originally played it, um, I don't maybe there are things, little subtleties that I didn't quite pick up on. I mean, some like we've mentioned, some of the characters have a really dark. Uh, history. Um, Bart and Billy both have pretty dark uh, parts of their past, and I don't know that I was mature enough or had been exposed to some of these issues that they've dealt with. I, I really kind of fully understood what was going on and, and why it was um, so tragic, some of the things that happened to them. Um, I don't remember Faye being so whiny like mm. I actively dislike him up until uh, he gets his shit together and decides to help Bart um, take back a van, rescue Marge, and all that because he's just—I mean, I get where he's coming from. It's not—it would have been unrealistic if he had been totally cool with it. But at the same time, it's just like, dude, dude, dude. Um, and then there are characters like because I know what's going to happen later in the game that I'm paying a lot more attention to what they're doing now. Like, um, I'm, you know, well, I think we're all of us, Alana included are kind of side eyeing, um, 
Sitan because you know we've we've seen evidence oh, yeah. already that he's he's doing more than he's telling. But I'm also like I since I know some of the specifics of what he's doing and what he's involved in. I'm also looking at everything that he's doing and saying and how he's kind of guiding Faye a little bit. And I'm like, uh, I don't know how much of it is him actually wanting to help and how much of it is his ulterior motive when it comes to Faye. So um, as far as favorites are concerned, we briefly met my favorite um, when we went to Zeboam but she hasn't joined the party yet. She hasn't actually been introduced and been given a name yet. So, um, oh, but, is that the greenhead girl? Yep, that is that is my favorite. She's actually like one of my favorite video game characters of all time. So, I love her Ooh. lots. Nice. What about you, Robert? My favorites are uh, Franz because he's a cool dolphin, and the Captain yes! of Thames because yes! he's a cool walrus. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> That was, I was only half joking. I actually, I really love both of those character designs, and I also, um, I, I like their characters as limited as they are. Um, I actually have, um, I don't know if uh, favorite or likable would be a good thing, but um, two of my favorite characters to observe are the villains, uh, Ramses and Miang, uh, and what they are up to, because is with the baddies who are doing awful, awful things, but he seems to have his own uh, moral code that he insists on sticking to, and he also seems to have some relation to certain characters in the party. Uh, and he's got some complexes of his own, which uh, haven't been fully explored at what part we are in the game at the moment. And, his, and Miang, the purple-haired lady who appears to be his assistant is um, hiding a lot more than she appears to be letting on with him. And so, like, she's his his assistant and his lover, but you can see in certain cutscenes that she seems to be playing him for a fool. I do really like the moments where she goes aside and talks to Graf behind, it, Graf behind everybody else. And it's yeah. sort of like, there's something going on here. And you don't really fully get it because you kind of get snippets of what they're saying or you get like the middle part without the context and the reasoning but yeah. Graf is another character who I'm really interested to see what happens and Id because I think Id and Ramses are linked for some mm -hmm. reason but I'm looking forward to that but Miang is definitely interesting yeah. I do really like Yang and Ramses greatly. I really like the villains in this game because they're not they don't feel like villains villains. They don't have an aligning motive any of them. So like every single group has got something different or they want faith or something different, but you don't know why or what yet. So hopefully that's going to pan out interestingly. Yeah. There's so many factions with different interests at heart here and that's something that you didn't really see. Uh, back in the late 90s uh, when this came out, which which made it very unique. Um, from what I understand, I seem to remember reading a long time ago that um, before the budget was slashed, Ramses was supposed to be playable in the later half of the game. Uh, but uh, as it stands, he just puts up a very, very tough fight instead. <laughs> hmm. That would have been interesting. And that would have, yeah. that would have made sense. Um, yeah. With the revelations that we haven't gotten to yet, um, I mean, he has major issues, but 
it would have made sense for him to eventually join the party. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Miang is very well. I don't know. It's it's. <laughs> I can't say. We can't really say much. Spoiling. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. The, the game hasn't really revealed what's going on with her yet and what's going on with Graf, too. I mean, both of them have uh, long histories uh, that we don't find out about until much later. But it's really cool once you you get to that point and you're sort of like, oh, it, it, it puts the rest of the game and the history of the world that the game shows you into a lot of context once you know what's really going on with them. Hmm. And um, is it just, I was always kind of creeped out by Kane, the emperor uh, of Solaris. <laughs> spooky mask. Yeah. Is, is it a mask? Because I always thought that, you know, it's kind of t- hard to tell fr- from the uh, the character artwork, but it just looks like he's a skeleton, basically. Mm. Like, he's lived for <laughs> so long that he's decayed away and all that's left is the bone. He's got a spooky face. Pretty much. <laughs> I don't like spooky faces creep me out um so and this kind of hard i know know you guys wanted to talk about this because there's a lot going on with meaning and kind of plot related to symbolism and where the main thrust is we can touch on a little bit i'm guessing a lot of the next podcast will be about what is the greater meaning of xenogears but i guess one of one of the big things i had heard before we were going into this was be prepared to sit and listen a lot. Um, get ready for... I, I think the quote was Metal Gear-esque cutscenes. Um, oh, yeah. There's a lot of a little... text, and it has a very, very slow speed that you can't skip through. <laughs> I, I I disagree that it's slow. It's per- it's perfectly speedy for me. <laughs> I feel like you just made fun of yourself. Okay, but uh, when you uh, when you die to a boss and you have to get through reams and reams of text to try and challenge him again, it feels a little bit slow then. Well, <laughs> well the, pro- the problem the problem there is not that the text is slow; it's that you can't skip to the end of a line by hitting the button like you can. That's, that's in what I mean by games. slow. Yeah, that sucks. I, I will. I will. I, I hate when I accidentally talk to an NPC again, and they have like three boxes of text, and I'm like, uh, <laughs> "I'm really sorry. Can you just shut up? I, I already heard what you had to say. I really don't care." Or in the case of that NPC in the first house in Lahan, that opens up a separate cutscene whenever you speak to them. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> um, a bit much. Yeah. Are you, so, are you enjoying kind of all of that, Alana? I like it. You like the deep kind of everything? Yeah, I do like the deep kind of everything. I can't really <laughs> give an answer, though, because I think at halfway, not everything is pieced together yet. Like, I feel like I've only just touched the surface, but I like where it's going. I mean, there are some really, like, I knew that it was very philosophical, psychological, kind of religious, theological everything under the sun kind of but there's nothing more obvious than having a character named id and i was like (laughs) come on i was like how freudian do you want to get like there's more to come i'm assuming oh yeah they do like their freud um but i do like how deep it is 
it it makes it feel more human. Like I feel like it's an exploration of the characters as well as an exploration of the world and the universe rather than like a just a simple let's go and save the world. Oh no, there's an ecological disaster. Oh no. Um but I like where it's going. And I really, really want to, I really want to know what happens by don't. It's like, ah. So it sounds like you're actually being more drawn towards the character plate than the actual, I guess, overall theme. I think so at the moment anyway. I mean, I, I still kind of feel like the overall theme hasn't hit. I think I've had hints of it. So it hasn't really. Yet. I've had like, obviously, yeah, like we're at Shavat and I've had I've seen the words like we need to get rid of or fight Solaris to release the lamb's control. So I'm assuming there is kind of a god complex somewhere. So when that comes to light, I'm going to pay like extra attention to it. But so far, it's the characters that are keeping me going. I mean, I tend to be drawn towards characters more in RPGs anyway than the story. I think if you've got a good very good set of characters then you can get away with a a cliched story but this one's got a bit of both but i think it's just got a bit longer to pick up before i'm like oh this is really 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 good but what i've seen so far is great so like no problems at the moment with the story or the characters at all awesome awesome Hmm. so as an outsider to this i i will really admit i always wanted to play xenosaga Never did, unfortunately. Xenoblade, I played mm-hmm. the first couple hours and kind of petered out. Um, how do all of these fit together? <laughs> they don't. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, jeez. Like a really mismatched jigsaw. This is the anti-Xenoblade. They don't. Very much. Well, that's just depressing. You guys were supposed to give me like an uplifting conversation from this. Well, I mean, there are elements of Xenogears in Xenoblade more so in X than in the original, because obviously Gears and, and there's actually a lot of uh, similar themes. Um, not necessarily the religious themes, but some of the the setting themes are similar between Xenogears and Xenoblade X. Um, I mean, the most obvious being you have giant gears and you're stranded on a foreign planet and have to survive and stuff like that. Um, But, I mean, like, none of the games are directly connected. Uh, The closest would actually be Xenogears and Xenosaga. Xenosaga was supposed to be basically a retelling of the first uh, couple episodes, or, well, eventually the entirety of uh, the Xenogears uh, story and of course got bogged down. Um, took three episodes to basically tell episode one or the pre, the pre pre of episode one uh, from the original timeline. But because yeah, yeah, obviously robot ladies in underwear. Yeah, mm. and it, they couldn't be directly connected because at, you know they had broken away uh, from Square, who still owned the rights to Xenogears, so they couldn't actually make it a direct prequel. But it's close enough to some of the basic events, um, and they obviously have Easter eggs all over the place, like a main characters whose name is whose name is our Uzuki, um, and Jen even looks like Saiten. Uh, and then <laughs> episode three had gear fights that were clearly you were fighting Ids Weltall and uh, uh, fighting uh, uh, the elements 
they eventually do something cool. I don't want to spoil it for Alana, but there's a boss fight in Enzanosaka 3 that's reminiscent of a boss fight against them. So, And certain characters, who I can't name, because that would also be a spoiler, that <laughs> make an appearance <laughs> in the trilogy. So it's, yeah. They've always been kind of like a loosely connected, more connected so, uh, technically, I guess, than like the Final Fantasy games, which are really only connected in name only. There's like there's almost nothing shared between them besides uh, names and Moogles and things like that. There's a, there's a bit more of a connection, but none of them are directly connected story-wise or for the most part character-wise outside of like cameos and stuff like that. Mm. And Xenoblade's even further removed. I mean, that game was originally called uh, Monado, and yeah. the, team, the team said, you know what, Takahashi, we love you, and we love Xeno, so let's call this Xenoblade. So, yeah. That's where that came from. <laughs> Which is why it's so hilarious to see people complaining about how this doesn't really feel like a Xeno game to me. Well, newsflash, what it, is what it's supposed to be. <laughs> Although, despite the fact that it wasn't supposed to be, Takahashi still gets some of his you know, religious themes thrown in there um you don't i mean you know you're you're supposed to be you know everyone lives on the dead husk of two gods so already you've got that sort of god complex thrown in there Mm. yeah but they're they're all they're all different experiences i mean cameo and some thematic similarities aside zeno gears is a different experience from Xenoblade and Xenoblade's different from from both Gears and Saga. Um, they're all they all have their good their good things and their bad things, different strengths and different weaknesses. And it's fun as a fan of the series to go from you know from one to the other and see how certain things have evolved and changed, and to 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 search out for those little Easter eggs that are present in every game that make you think. Ah, uh, this this is a really this is kind of a gears twist, or oh, this re- this reminds me of Xenosaga a lot. You know, it's kind of a nice thing to have, and I look forward to hopefully more games because Xenoblade X really needs a sequel. Needs to be on a good system. Oh, Whoa. Here we go. Them's here we go. Words. I, no, okay. not, so, I don't really disagree. True, I, I, yeah. I, I give a lot of crap to Nintendo, and I know a lot of people get upset about it. Nobody is going to disagree that, at the very least, the Wii U is super underperformed. Yeah, no, I yeah. don't think so. And third third party support is not, there. not what it should be. Like non-existent. There, mm. there is no third <laughs> yeah. party Basically, support. Yeah. Um. And that's well, is, there any, is there much first-party support at the moment? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, when when really. Nintendo's not supporting their own system, I, I feel like I have a little bit more freedom to complain about the system as a whole. Uh, no, yeah. no, I I agree. Like I um, I recently saw a graph that was comparing uh, Smash sales and the uh, the latest Smash combined sales wii u and 3ds were about the same as the sales for just for, for the wii version of the previous smash brothers and oh, the majority of them are 3ds sales geez. so yeah it, wow you, when you think about it and obviously this is super tangent but that's why we love retro right um like the wii is something that 
was absolutely an anomaly. Like you look, and it was it was on like CNN at night because like grandmothers wanted to play bowling with like their friends and whatnot. Um, and that's something that would have been almost impossible for Nintendo to replicate. But I feel like the lessons learned from the Wii were not the right choices for the Wii U. And I feel like the successes of the Wii U, because I always beg on it, like, oh, they have no good games. Obviously, it's hyperbole, because we're talking about Xenoblade X. That's fantastic, right? Um, but it just it set up an environment that was hard for games to even be able to stand out in. And then they're terrible naming mm-hmm. conventions. Yeah, that didn't help. <laughs> Definitely not. But yeah, yeah. Maybe on that NX, there's always a chance. Maybe they'll Please. release it on like the PlayStation, so people. Well, Monolith are owned by Nintendo now. I know. So yeah. No chance of that. Yeah. Well, I'm holding out hope to play Mario on my PS5. <laughs> <laughs> so there's always a hope, right? <laughs> Nintendo go the way of Sega. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, it's wow. depressing to think about, but also at like, the same time, like, super amazing. Moment of silence? Is that what we're doing now? <laughs> uh, I, I bought my Wii U exclusively for Xenoblade X, and I was pretty yes. satisfied. So. <laughs> Me too. Kind of universally, I've only heard kind of two camps. Um, one, they bought it for Xenoblade X, and the other one being they bought it for Smash Brothers. And the Smash Brothers group is much smaller than the Xenoblade X group. So uh, <laughs> I think that's kind of telling. Um, and then everybody's like, oh, well, I got this Mario Maker. That worked out well, right? Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I, I can get down with that. I got my Wii U for Xenoblade X, and it came with Smash. And um, I got Xenoblade X on disc, so I had to download the data packs, and guess what I got rid of to make space for the data packs? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, a, I'm, not, I'm not a Smash fan, and I'm not ashamed to say that I'm not a Smash fan, so. Yeah, it doesn't appeal to me. Well, if it makes you feel any better, Caitlin, any amount of hate you're going to get for not liking Smash, I'm going to get a lot more for talking <laughs> crap about Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I know this is kind of a short episode. Um, I feel like this is kind of like a prequel to a real episode, though. I feel like we're gearing up to have a lot of really, really in-depth conversations about lots of secrets that we've kind of hedged around. Um, so for all the listeners, I apologize. This is, I, I actually, I believe, next to our April Fool's podcast, our shortest podcast. Um, we're finished? Well, the problem is that every time I say something, I'm like, well, I have a really good answer, but uh, we can't say anything because Alana hasn't gotten there. So I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm, I don't, think this, I don't think this is on Alana, buddy. No, this is, this is not no, on Alana. Actually, yeah, definitely not. Don't even start turning it on me. You attack Europe. <laughs> don't attack me personally. <laughs> You're not. Don't worry. I'll let you. Well, and also, it's just like... So much of what I think Robert and I want to say about Sonic Gears is sort of wrapped up in the entire package right. and and stuff that doesn't yeah. happen until the second disc. And it's it's hard, I guess, to to you know talk about. It's especially hard to talk about symbolism in the game without knowing the entirety of the story because you don't really. There's so much religious symbolism that doesn't 
quite i mean it's there i guess it can it can seem like it's just there to be there but once you know what's really going on it takes on a whole new meaning it's kind of like i can't talk about the importance of of all the the god myths that are being thrown around in Zenogears without without talking about you know what happens at the end so right that's that's yeah. a perfect explanation of what i was trying to muddle through um so we're, we're a little light on this episode but i promise a very meaty delicious treat for episode two there's gonna be so much crazy stuff to talk about in episode Yay. two. Oh my god so this, oh, is, hey. this is like <laughs> this is like us just teasing a much better episode than this one i apologize <laughs> for that <laughs> more text more talking more cutscenes in episode two Yay. so um I forgot that our um, gunslinging priest, Billy, mm-hmm. almost became a rent boy. I don't remember yeah. that line <gasps> being in the yeah. game when I was a kid. Yeah. I guess I just didn't pick it up then. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Was, yeah. When they, he said that, I was like, oh. Really sneak that past the censors. <laughs> they sneaked a lot past the censors. They really, like, actually, jumping off of that, this, yeah, like, the, the fact that this game managed to get released considering how much religious overtone is in it is quite amazing it's i think i'd consider it probably like the because f- so many rpgs now use the corrupt religious organization or some form of religious framing hmm. but this feels like one of the first and nobody cared because nobody was watching in the uh, media <laughs> this is the game that makes them care going forward i think yeah or one of the games that yeah. makes them care because this, this is yeah this is one of the first games i think i think people when they think about uh religious symbolism they they probably think about uh Zenogears and takahashi in general mm. yeah but i mean still it's like a subset of a subset who remember this game fondly it's still fairly obscure by mainstream yeah gaming standards yeah. but uh yeah it was uh, it was the big one so to speak well and like you know originally it was supposed to be a final fantasy it was supposed to be final fantasy 7 it think. was yeah, yeah it was. and uh they decided that it just it, it was too dark that it wouldn't they didn't think it would appeal to the final fantasy audiences because it was so dark and, you know, they're probably right, because you look at Xenogears, and then you look at Seven, and Seven, despite some of the messed up crap in Seven, seems a lot more hunky-dory than, like, even the first disc of Xenogears, so, yeah. and that's not even the worst part of Xenogears, so, <laughs> yep. but, I mean, I find myself being kind of grateful that that worked out that way. I mean, I love Final Fantasy, but this, I think feels so much more unique and its own thing because it was able to be its own IP and not just be part of the Final Fantasy uh, experience. Although I also wonder how the production would have changed if it had been a Final Fantasy. Would they still have gone with the 2D sprites on 3D background, which is pretty distinct from anything Final Fantasy's done um, over the years? Or would they have made it look more like seven or eight or whatnot and mm-hmm. how would that have maybe changed people's opinions of the game um but i mean yeah the xeno gears is the xeno series is totally distinct to my mind 
from Final Fantasy, and I'm glad that that it worked out that way. Um, and yeah. you know, yeah, I, yeah. I I mentioned this I think multiple times now on different podcasts for retro. Um, I I love Final Fantasy, but I think Square specifically is at its best when it's doing its its quote unquote side projects. Um, when they're mm. able to kind of take a step back, they're able to experiment, or I feel like the personality of the developers come out more. I, I do feel like there is a sense of we need to fill certain boxes because that's what the audience expects of us. Mm. And I, I feel like when you just by giving it a new title, even though it's the still square, it steps out of being a square game and it becomes something more. I think Xenogears, we ta- I think we talked about our Parasite Eve. Um, we, I, I love The World Ends With You. Um, and that, now recently, like with Bravely Default and whatnot, everybody, everybody loves, I think, when they... they take chances and i i don't feel like they have the option to take a lot of chances when it comes to final fantasy hmm. no because they're they're so wrapped up in what their perceived image of final fantasy is like i i actually i, I don't know if you guys saw this but um was it tabata or someone else involved in 15 who was talking about final fantasy uh disease it was the yeah, best yeah, it was quote ever. Oh, yeah it was so yeah and how like even a mo- I mean, we talk about fans getting mixed up in you know what's what's good Final Fantasy, what's good for the series, and fighting over how you know this Final Fantasy was a misstep and it ru- it it ruined the series or the series gone downhill. But to hear that within Square itself, uh, Square Enix itself, there are you know the the people actually working on the games are also dealing with that and and, and having that affect possibly. Uh, how they're designing the games that was really like I, I I wasn't necessarily surprised because if if you know the fans can experience it certainly the developers can too but at the same time that was kind of like wow if they're dealing with that that sort of the the pressure of keeping Final Fantasy Final Fantasy and keeping the the pedigree of the series as it is and sort of infighting as to what that means that's kind of telling for the way the series has you know devolved a little bit lately yeah and it was extremely cleverly Mm -hmm. phrased because he was basically calling everybody out that you need to be open to change because that's how things can get better um be something like I, i said be something more um but everybody's so hung up on past essentially and everybody's perception of what it final fantasy should be is completely different i guarantee you if all yeah. four of us yeah. went right now and said this is what final fantasy did to me be wildly wildly different yeah um, yeah and so it just it becomes yeah at some point you're trying to guess what everybody else wants and it just becomes a mess mm. yeah and this i mean nostalgia can be good but it shouldn't take over uh, it shouldn't take over the future. It shouldn't necessarily define the future of the series. I mean, certainly callbacks can be great. Nine was really fun because it was a callback to older Final Fantasies, but it also did its own thing. It took it in its own direction. It wasn't just nostalgia for nostalgia's sake, and it ended up being one of the best games in the series because of it. Till 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yes. Till twelve. Mm-hmm. Because twelve. Oh, is exactly thank you, Caitlin. I knew Caitlin would agree with me. <laughs> I uh, totally agree with you. That's why I we keep you around. 
That's that's my other nickname is the Dark Souls of Final Fantasy XII. So, so I didn't want to say this because we were in the intro. I don't feel like the Dark Souls of something is a compliment. It just means that you're it's bad. Hey, (laughs) I take I take umbrage with that. (laughs) I don't. I'm not a huge Dark Souls fan, but I like. I like using that phrase. I get I get its meaning. I get it. I know what you're saying. That's why I've never given you crap yeah. about it before. But it's just like, oh, so you're the terrible combat of the Zero series. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the combat, though, um, how do, what, uh, what do you guys think about the combat? Like, the, the way the on-foot and gear battle systems work? I like it. Um, I wish learning death blows wasn't quite so opaque um, Mm. and how it doesn't really tell you that they correspond with learning gear death blows. Um, But I I, I have some kind of like funny affection for uh, inputting the light, uh, medium and heavy commands. It reminds me a little bit of Legend of Ligaia, but I think it's executed better here. Oh, yeah. Oh, the guy was really fun. Yeah. This is similarly fun. A little bit slow in places. And a little bit... It's like they don't tell you everything that you should know. But um, I still got a lot of fun out of it. Yeah. How about you, Alana? Um, pretty much the same. Um, I like... I don't have a preference out of the two, but I think I quickly clocked on that the button combinations you could use to learn death blows, and then they correlated with gears. But I think it is quite opaque and quite like you have to um, think a little bit more. Uh, there's not really a lot of elemental stuff as well. Like I know Ellie's obviously mage slash ether based, but I don't really find myself using it that much, even though she's supposed to be really good at it. Um, but I do. I like the button combination thing. I think it's quite nice. It's quite different. It adds a bit more involvement into turn base. So like, Whereas you're not just pushing one button, you're pushing three or four, and you come up with a different outcome. And I like that. But I don't have a preference between the two, thinking about it. I like both of them quite equally. I'm assuming there's more gear combat to come in the second half, actually. Oh, yeah. Mm. Cool. Good. Yeah. There's loads more, and more gears, and haven't even met the best gear yet. Ah. (laughs) And I'm not going to say who that is, or who I think it is, although anyone... Robert knows probably knows who what I'm referring to. But, I can take a guess. Yeah, there's a certain character who completely gets broken if you if you work hard enough and can easily outstrip everyone else, and the gear as well, um, despite some handicaps, can be super overpowered. So, yeah, I didn't awesome realize sauce. how easy it was to um, break Ellie and turn her into a powerhouse. Um, she always kind of lagged behind in my last playthrough, but I've thrown a bunch of like ether, uh, ether doubling equipment on her, and she's oh, just yeah. wiping yeah. everybody out with her spells now. Yeah, see, I missed out on that, so I think I'll catch up with that. She has been really mm. good though. Like Arods is like the go-to. Yeah. So yeah, hope fingers you'll, crossed. You'll, you'll get your chance to trick her out again. Nice. Good. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Um... I mean, obviously, I like fighting in giant robots, but I thought it was also cool how they made gear combat 
connected but still distinct from on foot combat and they the added element of the the fuel resources while a little stressful in certain battles where you're like <laughs> uh do i use booster or am i gonna run out of fuel and what happens if i run out of fuel mm. and um, up until you get the the you know the frame hps where you can restore your hp it's also like a race against time kill the enemy before i ran out of oh yeah of health but that was kind of a cool a little bit of a resource management uh thrown in that you don't have to really do on foot um or yeah. in a lot of rpgs where the only yeah. thing you're worrying about is keeping your hp and your magic high but here you have to you know balance fuel costs and uh and your frames hp and things like that i thought that was kind of a neat uh feature to have mm. yeah at least you don't die if you lose all your fuel. That's a nice thing. I spent yeah. ages panicking about that, and then it happened. And I was like, oh no, Bart's dead. And I'm like, no, he's not. And I was like, okay. But it was like the minor stress panic kind of thing. And with the HP as well, until you get those little armor equipment. I was just mm. so stressed out all the time about play fighting in Gears, but now I've got them. I do really like it. What did you guys think of some of the boss battles? I noticed that I I guess I didn't notice this the first time through or I forgot. This seems to really enjoy like the concept of the puzzle boss. You know what I mean? Um yeah, like some of them like Ramses and his uh mirror stance and knowing when not to attack. Um yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot of takes on the mist dragon of Final Fantasy 4. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like Ramses worked for me. Um, I some of the later battles with Ramses, like when he's in the underwater ship, I feel like his mirror stance drags on a little bit too long, and that battle just goes on for way longer than oh. it should. Yeah, that yeah. I had I had like the hardest time I think with that fight because he would shoot off his little claws and they would hit uh, multiple people. Ellie actually died um, yeah. in that fight mm. for me because I, he yeah. kept hitting her multiple times and I didn't get a chance to restore her HP. So I hate that fight, but luckily yeah. Ramses is always a little <laughs> So, oh, oh, whoops, I'm sorry, I said it. <laughs> He's a little rich, you can tell from his outfit. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what she said. That that's, that's what I meant. <laughs> Good save, guys. Good job. Like, yeah, it had to happen sooner or later, <laughs> you know. Can't help myself. Um, yes, that was the only boss fight I died against, actually. That really wound me up. I think that was more because I couldn't find the gear shop in the Thames. I was like, oh, where oh. is it? So I didn't upgrade Ellie's gear. And of course, and Bart's as well, because Bart had been gone for about 10, 15 hours. <laughs> so I was like, oh. Um, I was also thinking... I'm not sure if it counts as the puzzle boss. Because I didn't find... Most of the bosses were okay. I've not really had any trouble. The only other one that maybe gave me a bit of trouble is the one at the end of the sewers. Red Worm. Oh, Red Worm. Yeah. yeah. But that's just more preparation, I think. I think I went in and expected that I would have to use revival items. But it was just the kind of... Like, if you know that Seatown has the all-cast spell and then the reduce fire spell and do that, it's okay. Mm. He gave me a lot of trouble back in the day, but I he yeah I didn't have much difficulty with him this time through. I guess I was prepared this time, but yeah, I <laughs> yeah. remember him being a, a nightmare for a lot of people. Yeah, 
Well, that, insta, that instant kill, that murder skill is just kind ah. of annoying. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys have anything else you want to talk about? I think we've largely covered a lot of our notes. Since nobody wants to talk about the secret stuff. Well, I mean, we could, but it would be spoilers galore, and I don't want to. I don't want to ruin it for Alana. Well, let's let's hang back on that. Okay. Yeah. And I w- I would like to refresh my memory with it as well, as I haven't beaten this game in like over ten years. So. Then you guys are gonna let me actually wrap up the show this time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Since I started like twenty minutes ago trying. Uh, <laughs> in that case, um, so after this month, when we're done with uh. Xeno Gears. I almost call it Xeno Saga. I'm mean, having trouble with that. Um, so next month, after we're done with Xeno Gears, we are going to be playing through South Park: A Stick of Truth. So get excited for that. Lots of more. I'm cool. sure slips of swearing yeah. akin to what oh, Caitlin yeah. likes to do. Um. <laughs> it's 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 South Park. I mean, there's swearing in the game. I think it goes. So. It, like it'd be a disservice for us not to swear the whole time. So that, that's how I'm going to look at it. Absolutely. Um, in the meantime, you guys can always get involved with the podcast by sending an email to retroidrpgfan.com. You can comment on the boards at rpgfan.com. And then uh, we would love if you guys went on to whatever kind of place you're listening to these podcasts on, preferably iTunes, because I think I know we're for sure on that, um, and give us some sort of review, preferably five stars. That really helps, and that would be awesome. I think we're on Google Play now, if that's your bag. Yeah. Yeah. So check that out. I'm not sure how that review process works, though. But give us a good one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, that's going to do it for us here. Um, get super excited for the next episode, because I think it's going to be a good one. Oh, I hope so. I'm so excited. It is. Spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Till next time, guys. See you later. Bye. See ya.